Four kinds of Christmas, Scrooge, Shopper, Santa, or Stable, each one is a different way of responding to the darkness that's in the world. Thanks to those of you who were able to pick up a copy of the book, read it, and pass it on to a friend, ask some questions about that. That's part of our mission, is just engaging our friends in spiritual conversations. Uh, so thanks for doing that. Uh, last Sunday we talked about the Shopper Christmas, actually just briefly. But Shopper Christmas is, there's darkness in the world, we all know that, so we just start buying new stuff to distract ourselves from what's going on in the world. Because when you buy something new, you focus your attention on it, and for a moment, you forget about the darkness in the world. That's what a shopper Christmas does. Works short-term, doesn't work long-term. Uh, today, we're moving on to the Santa Christmas, and we're just going to debunk two myths associated with the Santa Christmas that distort the true meaning of Christmas, and we're all influenced by these two myths. First one, excuse me, uh, is nothing's wrong, everything is good. Excuse me, I'm like, can you go back one, please? Somehow I got off one on my, there you go, now we're good. Uh, so this is the time of year when the Christmas cards come, right? And the pictures of the families on the card. Have you ever gotten a, a card where the family, everybody is frowning? or crying, or looks angry. No, they're all smiling, right? Everybody smiles on the outside. We don't know what's going on on the inside. Because you know what? Some years are hard, really hard. Some years we lose people we love. Some years things go wrong. But Christmas is here, so everything is good. So sometimes I wonder if that's not why it's hard when extended families get together, because in families, right? There's just tension, disagreement, conflict. That's just life. But because it's Christmas, we just pretend everything's fine. So we can't actually sit down and talk through it. Because everything's fine, right? It's Christmas. Well, in the Bible, uh, God lets us know what he thinks about pretending that everything is well when it's not. This will happen because these evil prophets deceive my people by saying, all is peaceful when there is no peace at all. Now, Ezekiel the prophet speaking these words to a time in Israel's history when they've turned away from God, they're headed toward disaster. Their capital city, Jerusalem, is going to be destroyed. But some of the prophets are saying, all is peaceful, everything is fine, your future is bright. It wasn't true. They wouldn't face the truth. God loves truth because only truth sets people free. When we see what's really going on, we're honest about it. Good things can happen. The Bible does not pretend that all is well. It doesn't. Jesus arrived in the town of Bethany four days after his good friend Lazarus died. Martha and Mary, the two sisters of the deceased, are in deep grief. They're crying. Their friends are with them. Their friends are crying. And Jesus shows up, walks into the house, and says, what's the problem? Everything's fine. Cheer up. No. This is what we read. When Jesus saw her weeping, and saw the other people wailing with her. A deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Because Jesus knows all is not well. Death is not a part of God's creation. Suffering is not a part of God's creation. Grief that overwhelms people and won't leave is not part of God's creation. Jesus is angered that sin has brought death into God's good world. And then we read that Jesus wept. 
And it's not a single tear that's running down his face. It's many tears because he feels the suffering and grief of people. All is not well. That is why Jesus came. Christmas story. When Joseph was thinking about breaking his engagement to Mary because Mary's pregnant and the kid is not his, an angel appears to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now today when we parents name our kids, we choose a name because we like it. Or maybe it's a family name, or maybe we choose a first and a middle name that flow together well. We have our reasons, right? In biblical times, a primary concern in naming a child was the meaning of the name. Not how it sounded, but the meaning. The name Jesus means God saves. It's the meaning of the name. Not, oh, God's come to pat you on the back and join the party because everything's fine. No, God saves. Because we need saving. We need forgiveness to get back in relationship with God. We need God's forgiveness so we can are able to forgive people in our life. Jesus came because all is not well. He came because there's darkness here and he needs to bring God's light into our world. We need forgiveness, peace, comfort, healing, hope. Someone has to bring it to us. We can't get it ourselves. And Jesus is the light that brings it to us. Or as Isaiah the prophet said, the people walking in darkness, all is not well, have seen a great light. And things are going to change. Second myth, if I'm good, my life will turn out good. This one goes very, very deep, and the Santa Christmas really reinforces it. We all have this basic belief that if we're good, if we do what's right, then our life will turn out good and be easy and we'll be comfortable, right? I mean, that's why else be good? If you're a good driver, you get reduced rates on your insurance. If you're a good neighbor, your neighbor's probably going to be good back to you. And we carry that into our thinking about life and God. And we say, well, if I'm good and follow Jesus, then God will be good to me and Jesus will make my life easy and comfortable. And then the Santa story comes along and reinforces that. Uh, I thought about singing this song, but I decided against it. But you know the lyrics. You better watch out. Better not cry. Better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list, checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. So basic message. Naughty, no gifts. Nice, lots of gifts. So if we're good, our life is going to turn out good and be comfortable and we'll be, it'll be an easy life. I ran across a story this week about parents who actually decided to uh, use Santa as uh, uh, in disciplining their young daughter. She had misbehaved, done whatever she'd done, and she was not responding to mom and dad's correction. She wasn't listening. She's getting out of control. So mom picked up her phone and said to the daughter, I'm calling Santa Claus. She called Santa Claus, fake call, of course, and uh, then said, told Santa everything her daughter had done and how disobedient she was being. And the daughter quickly said, Mom, Mom, stop, stop. I'll be good, I'll be good, I'll be good. Because if you're good, you get gifts, right? If you're not, you don't. So here's the truth, the biblical perspective on what it means to live in this world as a follower of Jesus. When I follow Jesus, I still live in a sin-broken world. 
This is an accurate, truthful perspective on this earthly life that we live. Here's how the Apostle Paul talked about it. He said, for we all know, for we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. We, we think too uh, lightly about sin. Sin has affected everything. Creation itself isn't right. Things happen that shouldn't happen on earth. And the earth is groaning and waiting to be remade new like it was in the beginning before sin came. And it's a painful waiting. It's like the pangs of childbirth. Paul continues. And we believers also groan. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a few taste of, foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. This is a truthful perspective on those of us who follow Jesus and what it's like to live in this world. We got the Holy Spirit in us as we trust in Jesus. We're, we're assured that the Father loves us. And that's a, like a little sample of how great it's going to be when Christ comes back at the end and makes everything new. But until then, we live in a broken world. And we long, sometimes we really long to be released from sin. And we long to be released from suffering. Because things are not as they should be. And Paul continues, we wait too with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he promised us. So as believers, we're waiting for the day when Christ returns, we get new resurrection bodies, and actually earth and heaven itself all get remade. Revelation talks about this. Everything is restored. We're waiting for that. But now we're living in a sin-broken world. But even then, Paul says, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. We're in a sin-broken world. It's around us. But we trust Jesus and God's Spirit within us gives us the assurance of the Father's love and gives us that inner strength and courage to keep following Jesus day by day until he comes back at the end. You see, we're all shepherds, and Jesus came anyway. Every year that Christmas comes around, my amazement increases that the shepherds were invited to come and find and meet baby Jesus. Because no one in New Testament times invited shepherds to anything. They're at the bottom of the economic ladder. They're poor. They were well known for their petty theft. That was their reputation. They had messed up lives. Nobody cared about them. They did not do good. And they did not deserve to have their lives turn out well. That's how they were thought about. The rabbi in the villages said, don't, don't buy or sell with shepherds. They can't be trusted. And if they tried to come into a synagogue to worship God, they would... Uh, they would not be allowed in, barred at the door. People were sure that God had judged the shepherds, they were guilty, and God had abandoned shepherds, written them off like everybody else did. But they were wrong. They were so wrong. The only people invited to, by angels to visit baby Jesus were shepherds outside Bethlehem. The high priest in Jerusalem was not invited. King Herod, not invited. The local rabbi, not invited. God the Father invited messed up shepherds to come and meet Jesus. It's God's way of saying, through my son, I'm going to start making everything new and I'm going to bring the light of healing and into the darkness of this sin-broken world and I'm going to start with shepherds. Of course, the truth is, we're all shepherds. We've all failed. We've all missed the mark. We've all, we all have regrets. 
We all blame someone else rather than take responsibility. And we all have wounds and we all have hurts. We all need help. We all need saving. We're just like the shepherds. And Jesus came anyway because shepherds need a new life. And that's why he came. I want to leave you with a prayer. We'll, we'll say it now, but then pick up a bulletin on your way out and use it this week. It helps keep in, it helps you renounce the lies about the Santa Christmas and it puts in proper perspective what life is like to live for Jesus. Let's pray it together right now. Father God, I renounce the lie that all is well and that I can earn a good life. I affirm the truth that Jesus came to save me and through the Holy Spirit, give me joy, hope, and victory amidst the challenges of this sin-broken world. In Jesus' name, amen. Santa Christmas doesn't work. Stable Christmas does. We'll talk about that next Sunday.